Welcome to Catch the Fire Toronto's weekly sermon podcast. This message was recorded live at Catch the Fire Church in Toronto, Canada. We hope you enjoy it. We're starting a new series this month. I'm kicking it off today and it's called The Goodness of God. And everything that is associated with God's kindness, His love, His mercy, His grace. And today, I would love for us to discover a deeper depth of what it means to know the goodness of God. So, how would I like to start? I don't know about some of you, but many years ago, I got saved in a Pentecostal church, but I, got a, I had a radical transformation encounter with Jesus, and then I started going to the Pentecostal church. And something that we would do quite often is we would say, God is good. All the time. There you go. And, you know, we would say it um, to one another. And uh, sometimes I don't know if we actually believe that in our hearts. But hopefully somewhere along the line of saying it and saying it and saying it again, it clicks in and the truth is revealed in our hearts. And um, there's a lady that's in, uh, I, I also lead the women's ministry here. And there's one of our leaders. And every time I talk to her, and I would say, how are you doing today? And she'd say, God is good. God is good. And I remember one time she was having some challenges with her eyes and some other issues that were happening. And I asked her, how are you doing today? And she goes, God is good. And you know, we need to make that declaration all the time because it's a truth that's in the Bible. So earlier this week, I was speaking to my husband um, and he was asking, so what are you preaching on on Sunday? And, and we talk about this. So, you know, when I'm, when I'm speaking, he'll ask what I'm speaking on. I will talk. Sometimes I'll ask him, can you tell me what you're hearing from the Holy Spirit? So I said to him, I'll be speaking on the goodness of God. And he laughed. And um, he said, you have a testimony to that, don't you? And I said, well, yeah, I might. Do you th- are you thinking of anything in particular? I'll share a little testimony with you. But before I do... Um, When my husband and I pray in the mornings, I start off with praise, our worship, repentance, I'm bowing down. And my husband starts to pray and he goes, Lord, we thank you for this day. And we thank you for all your goodness towards us. Like you could almost record and play it over every time he starts to pray, he'll say the same thing. God, we thank you for this day and we thank you for all your goodness towards us. And he believes in that. And he believes that God is always good to us. So the testimony that I'll share with you is um, we, we had a, a wedding anniversary, not last week, but the week prior. And we took a week off to spend some time, have some fun, and uh, do a few things together in our area. So one day we decided to go to Paris, Ontario. Yes, there's a Paris in Ontario, and it's not far from where we live. As a matter of fact, I don't know if you've seen it, but you can do a European tour through southwestern Ontario. You need to look that up online. And you will go through all of these cities that are named after European cities. So we went to Paris, Ontario, to make a long story short. And um, they had just opened up the patios. Restaurants were just opened up. It was pretty busy that day. And the only place you could get a seat is um, on a patio. And the patios all sit on the river where you could watch people canoeing and kayaking. At any rate, we showed up and we checked in at the first place and they said, oh, sorry, you'll have to come back tomorrow. We're fully booked. You need to make a reservation. 
So we went to the second place, which is one of the most uh, famous restaurants in, in Paris. Walked in the door, and there were people ahead of us, and the hostess was saying to them, so sorry, we have nothing left. You'll have to make a reservation, come back tomorrow. And we walked up to the front of the desk, and she looked at us, and we said, she says, do you have a reservation? And we said, no, we don't. And she says, um, okay, well, just wait a minute. I think maybe we can accommodate you. And we looked at each other, really? You just turned away to other people. But anyway, long story short, they had a table. And they said, just give us a few minutes and we'll clean it up and we'll bring you in. And sure enough, we go out to the patio and we get the best table on the patio, sitting in the corner, looking directly into the river. The weather was beautiful. The sun was out. And he looks at me, my husband looks at me and says, hmm, see, we got great favor. And, you know, God was good to us. So, you know, that's just a little simple example. But the truth is that when we declare it and we say it, it becomes part of our core beliefs and we start to experience it. So what is the goodness of God? And where do we find this in the Bible? Well, we go right back to Genesis. It starts in Genesis. When God created the earth, he said, it is good. He said, it is good. The only time he said it was very good was when he created woman. Oh, I meant man. Um, but he is, it is good. It is good. It's a quality of God. It's a central component of who he is. And because he's good, goodness comes out of him. And we need to reach into our own hearts and make agreement with the truth that God is good. And we know in several places in the Bible, it talks about his goodness. So let's start with one of our favorite scriptures. And I hear this being prayed and declared over people time and time again. And it's found in Jeremiah 29, 11. Come on, do we know that scripture? Yes. It's one of our favorite scriptures. I want to read um, from the Amplified Version. And it says, My good promise to you will come true. I will bring you back home. I know the plans I have for you, announces the Lord. I want you to enjoy success. I do not plan to harm you. I will give you hope for years to come. Do you think that sounds like something good? It sure does. Sure does. Let's look a little bit at the Psalms. David was continually declaring the goodness of God in his life, especially in times of adversity. Isn't it paradoxical that David through experiencing challenges in his life, came to know the goodness of God in his life. And so why was David so adamant about God's goodness? First, as a young shepherd boy, it was innocent faith. He believed that God had goodness and kindness towards him. And then through experience, he matured and got strengthened and it became so much more stronger in him about the goodness of God. So, so much of our faith and our deep-seated beliefs about God is through experience. We need to have encounters that will enable us and empower us into come, to come into the truth of the promises of God and about the nature of God, because the nature of God is good. It is not contrived. It is not made up. It is who He is. Goodness in, goodness out. In Psalm 23, David says, surely, and he doesn't say maybe, he says, surely, 
goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. He didn't say just yesterday or tomorrow. He says all the days of my life. Come on, if you are listening to me today, just say it out loud. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Yes, we've just made a declaration. In Psalm 34 verse 8, he says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. You know, when you taste something, I don't know about you guys, have you had the strawberries yet from the season? Oh my goodness, yesterday we drove past a farm and picked up some strawberries and tasted them. And it was just so beautifully luscious and, and moist and, and, you know, juicy. And you bite into it and the taste alone just brings this whole sense of satiation and pleasure all over. That's what you do when you taste something. And when we taste of the Lord and we know that he's good and we've tasted, we want more. And we do not forget that taste, just like I won't forget about those strawberries that I ate yesterday. So the question becomes, is God always good? Did I just ask that question? God is good? Is he always good? All the time. Well, you know, as human beings, sometimes we have disappointments in life. Sometimes we have experiences. We have situations that occur that challenges us. And it makes us wonder, is God really good all the time? And can we continue to declare that? Well, I want to say that, uh, yes, God is good all the time. And how do we believe in this in times of trouble? Many years ago, I was going through some really rough times. And um, I remember that I was, I was getting a little bit weak in my faith. And I started looking for books. I'm an avid reader. I love to read. And I started looking for books. And I found this book by Philip Yancey. And it says, um, the book is called Disappointment with God. And in this book, he says, faith means believing in advance what will only make sense in reverse. What does that mean? It means like David, we need to hold fast to our faith and we need to wait it out because in the end, God is going to bring something good to us. And you know, it doesn't always look pleasant. And David knew that. When David sinned with Bathsheba, he had a, 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 an adulterous affair with the wife of, of one of his uh, soldiers in his army. And what did God do? God came along and he sent Nathan the prophet to tell David about this. And David promptly repents because why? It's the kindness, it's the goodness of God that draws us to repentance. And sometimes goodness looks like this. Son, daughter, that person that you're dating is not the right one for you. You need to walk away from that relationship. And it doesn't feel good in the moment because you're like, no, but this is what I want. Trust me, I know, I've been there. God had to really, really speak deeply into my spirit for me to walk away. And then I found my promise. But that's what goodness looks like sometimes. So we're going to start looking at the book of James because we're talking about the different aspects of goodness. So let's start looking at James. And in James chapter 1, we're going to start in chapter 1, and we'll start at verse, verse uh, chapter 1, verse 16. So let's, let's first start um, by saying, who is James asking us? Who is James speaking to? James is speaking to the Jewish believers. 
He's speaking to, to the diaspora of Jewish believers that have been scattered all over Israel, all over the Middle East after Jesus, Jesus has died and gone to heaven. And uh, James is trying to bring a word of encouragement to them because they're struggling in keeping their faith. So what does he do? He gives them a little bit of instruction and it starts in verse 16 and he says, my dear brothers and sisters, I love that, my dear brothers and sisters, don't let anyone fool you. Every good and perfect gift is from God. This kind, so he says, this kind of gift comes down from the Father who created the heavenly lights. These lights create shadows that move, but the Father does not change like these shadows. God chose to give us new birth through the message of truth. He wanted us to be the first harvest of his new creation. Wow, isn't that beautiful? James gets in there and he starts to tell them, you need to know that God is giving you good gifts, that he's got good things prepared for you. I know you're going through a rough time. But let's back it up a little bit. That's not how James started out. He started out in verse 2, right off the bat. May I just say that I don't think that James was ever hired to be a motivational speaker. Because right off in verse 2 in, in chapter 1, he says, My brothers and sisters, you will face all kinds of trouble. When you do, think of it as pure joy. Are you kidding me? Pure joy? Your faith will be tested. You know that when this happens, it will produce in you the strength to continue. So he starts to talk about, talk to them about what they will experience. But then he gets to verse 16 and he says, but God is good and he's preparing good things for you and he's going to bring good things into your life. It's, he's almost mirroring Romans 8, 28. And what does Romans 8, 28 say? It says, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose. And that's what James is essentially saying to them. It's okay. God's going to work all of this out, and you're going to see his goodness. You're going to see his kindness, his love. You're going to experience his mercy, and you will know that the, that the faith that you had through Jesus Christ in God is going to be fulfilled through this. You know, not to sound flippant or irreverent or disrespectful, but there are times when it is really, really hard to say that to someone. And I just want us to be really mindful that we know that God is good. And the Bible tells us this. And we live it and we experience it. But there are times when people are going through some really rough things in their lives. And we need not just speak these words as a band-aid. We need to dig deep. There are times in our lives when we need to dig really deep to find the goodness of God, to make sense of what is going on around us. And our country in this last couple of months have been going through deep grief and pain. And it's not, it's not something that we personally did, but it's because human beings chose to make evil choices. And they did some really bad things. And in times like this, it makes us go deep inside and we say, God, how, what, why? And it's hard for us to speak out those words and say, God, where was your goodness in that moment? But all we can do in this time is to reach out to one another, to esteem one another the way Jesus said, higher than ourselves, to love unconditionally, 
to love like Jesus and to extend that love to others, to reach out a hand and say, we are grieving with you. And to take a position to say, on our watch, it won't happen again. And you guys know what I'm talking about. It's about the residential schools. I'd like to encourage you to go on our website. Steve Long did an awesome blog about this with a prayer of repentance. If you haven't read it and read the prayer yet, please go and have a look at it. It will bring um, some comfort to your hearts and it'll help you as you read that prayer of repentance. But we need to know that even in these times and when we are disappointed, that we need to continue to make a declaration that we do not nullify the truth that God is good. And we do not give the enemy ground by making us believe a lie that there is no goodness in God. And where the darkness abounds, light comes in. And, and the word of God says, where, you know, where sin abounds, grace much more abounds. So we need to be the light in the darkness and make a declaration day in and day out that God is good. And although the enemy would want us to believe differently, we say no, because God wins. He does not get to win. As I said, I like to read, and um, I, I'm not an expert on Charles Spurgeon. I just like reading um, different materials. And in his, uh, one of his books, he says, remember the goodness of God in the frost of adversity. Adversity is very frosty. It's cold. It's lonely. And we feel like we're, we're without friends or we're without support. But in the midst of that, David, in the midst of adversity, he discovered the goodness of God. And here's where James starts to really kick it up. Here's where the motivation starts to come in. In, in verse 12, even before he gets to verse 16, he said, Blessed is the person who keeps going on when times are hard. After they've come through hard times, this person will receive a crown, the crown of life itself. The Lord has promised to those who loves him. Come on, we have a crown of life. Not only does the goodness of God strengthen us and mature us, at the end, we have a crown that is waiting for us if we will endure. And so, what's this gift of God? I don't know about you guys, you love gifts? I love receiving gifts. And I have a husband who loves to give gifts. He bought me this beautiful last week, beautiful white cads. He told me to wear them today, but I prefer high heels. But anyway, Everybody loves to have gifts, to receive gifts. So what is James saying? In verse 16, he says, my dear brothers and sisters, don't let anybody fool you. In essence, he's saying, don't make an error in judgment. Don't let what's going on around you believe a lie. God is good. He's coming with his kindness. He's coming with his mercy. He's coming with his grace. And he's saying, every good and perfect gift comes from God. Listen, have you ever heard that uh, he's saying good, good gift? Are there bad gifts? Anybody ever received a bad gift? Okay, yes, I know, Christmas sweaters. Let's not talk about those. Those are really bad gifts. Or, you know, Aunt Susie's um, homemade knitted uh, wool socks that are too long or too wide. Um, that might be a bad gift. But what James is saying, every good and perfect gift is from God. It's not just not, not just good, it's Perfect. Perfect. In Matthew chapter 7, Jesus says, if you being human beings, he says, if you being evil, and what he means is imperfect, 
evil in comparison to God because only God is perfect, only God is holy. He says, if you know how to give good gifts, how much more will your heavenly Father, who is perfect, give to them gifts that ask of him? Come on, I want to encourage you today. Keep asking because when we ask, God hears and he answers. I'm learning more and more day by day. The Lord keeps encouraging me. He goes, Lillian, I want you to ask. And I want you to ask again. And I want you to ask boldly and keep asking because I want to give you good gifts. So we need to keep asking. And God, who's perfect, will give us a perfect gift. Who is James speaking to? He's speaking to the Jewish believers. They would understand what a gift means. Throughout the Old Testament, we see gifts being exchanged. When the Queen of Sheba came to see Solomon, it says that she brought like chariots full of gold and silver and spices. When Jesus was born, the Magi came to see him. They brought gifts. When Abraham sent his servant to find a wife for Isaac, he brought gifts. So when James says that perfect, perfect and good gifts come from God, and he talks about the word gift, these Jewish people understand, they believe, they understand what he's talking about, because gifts are meant to be good. Gifts are meant to be strategic. In the Old Testament, they were strategic gifts. They were brought with a purpose. So they would understand how James is trying to encourage them. So my daughter... Um, I, I named her Sasha when she was born. My, uh, my husband and I named her Sasha when she was born. It's a, it's a, you know, a Slavic name. It's an Eastern European name. Be careful what you name your children because it's very prophetic. She ends up marrying an Eastern European man. And uh, it's really funny because her name, her last name, um, when, when she tells people her name um, over the phone, they start speaking to her in Eastern European languages. And she's like, no, 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 I married someone. Um, uh, <laughs> who's Eastern European. Anyway, they keep giving us gifts all the time. It's one of their customs and their culture. And they keep bringing gifts. What does that do for me? It makes me feel good. Makes me feel valued, precious. And, and I, in turn, want to turn around and give them gifts. What kind of gifts is James talking about? He's talking about perfect gifts. God giving this kind of gift. It's perfect. It may not be perfect for the person beside you, but what God gives to you is perfect for you. And that could mean any, many different things. And then James says, and God, this kind of gift, the God who gives us this kind of gift, he does not change. Not like shadows. The God who created the sun and the moon and the stars and the planets in the sky, he does not change. God is immutable. Human beings change, but we need to remember that God does not change. And as it says in Hebrews um, 13, 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if God says that he wants to give us good gifts, he will not change his mind. He will continue to do so throughout our lives. That's a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> That's a really good thing. So what happens when we get gifts? What happens? The first thing that comes to my mind is we, it solicits a, a spirit of gratitude. And I know someone's going to speak about gratitude later on, but that's what, that's what happens inside of us. And it also humbles us, brings a spirit of humility. I am so thankful, God. Why would you even consider me, God, that you would want to give me such a beautiful gift? And it makes us feel humble. 
the uh, Jewish people have many prayers. And I was reading this particular prayer that um, they use to pray. It's called the Berkat Hagomel. And it's a prayer that they would pray after they've come out of a serious injury, a serious illness, or they've come through a long journey. And in the old days, they would have gone on long, dangerous journeys. Or sometimes when a woman has had a traumatic birth, after seven days, she would be able to pray this prayer. And it says, Blessed are you, Lord our God, ruler of the world, who rewards the undeserving with goodness and who has rewarded me with goodness. Isn't that a beautiful prayer? Acknowledging that God chooses to give us his goodness and his kindness. What else does the goodness of God bring to us or do for us? Well, you might find this a little strange, but it's in the Bible. God's goodness is tied to his presence and his glory. Who wants more presence and glory? We are continually pushing in. We're continually pressing in. God, I must have more. I think I spend most of my prayer time on my knees going, God, Jesus, I must have more. I must see what this realm looks like. I must have more glory, more presence. I feel empty if I'm not in your presence. So where is this found? Well, in Exodus 33, 18, Moses is leading the children of Israel through the desert. And he's going through some really difficult things. He's having some, you know, some hissy fits sometimes because the people are not listening to him. He's questioning God. He says, God, you, they're your people. Then he comes back to God and said, okay, help me. Help me how to lead these people. And then Moses has all of these revelations. And he comes to God and he says, I must have this. I must have I must see your glory. If I have found favor with you, God, if I have found, uh, if, if you have found me to be, you know, suitable in your sight, God, I must see your glory. I must have your glory. And that's what he says. Now show me your glory. And what does God say? The Lord says in verse 19, Exodus 33, 19, I will make all of my goodness pass in front of you. And I will announce my name, the Lord, in front of you. The goodness of God is associated with his presence and his glory because he chose to give us his Holy Spirit. That's another gift from God. So when you are in his presence, when you experience his glory, we need to bow our knees and say, thank you, Lord. You are good. You are good. You are good. Second Chronicles chapter 7. Solomon builds the temple. David wanted to, but God said, no, it's Solomon that's going to build the temple. And after he builds the temple, he has a beautiful day of dedication. They have sacrifices, and, and Solomon stands up, and he makes intercession for the people. And after he finishes praying, it says that fire came down from heaven and filled the temple. And the people fell on their faces and they started crying out, He is God. He is God. He is God. His love endures forever. And then more fire came. The priests couldn't minister and the people bowed their knees again. And they said, He is good. He is good. His mercy endures forever. And that needs to be the cry of our hearts every day. Regardless of where we are, what's going on, it needs to be our cry. God, you are good. You are good. I have many stories I can tell you, but I need to finish. So 
the story, the, the gift of the Holy Spirit. God sent his Holy Spirit when Jesus went to be uh, with the Father in heaven after he was crucified and he ascended. He said, it is better that I go because Holy Spirit's going to come. And the Holy Spirit is a gift from God. That's goodness. Why would God choose to give us his Holy Spirit? Because he's kind. Because he cares about us. Because he loves us. But the best gift that the Father ever gave to us is his son, Jesus Christ. He is the ultimate gift. He is perfect. Earlier, Steve was talking uh, about him during, about Jesus during the communion, and he said he's perfect. And that's the perfect gift. This kind that James is talking about, that perfect gift of his son, Jesus, who knew no sin, who committed no sin, but God chose, he saw us, he saw us in our poverty of spirit, and he saw where we were and he knew what was going on in our lives. And he says, I will send my son that he will go to earth and he will give up his life and he will die for these ones so they can be reconciled back to me, so they can have eternal life, so their sins would be forgiven. In 1 John 1, 9, it says, if we will confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of all of our sins and cleanse us from all of our unrighteousness. That's the kindness of God. Remember what I said earlier? It's the goodness of God, the kindness of God, that draws us to repentance. So today, I want to say to you, that if you haven't received this gift, that God has given us the gift of His Son, Jesus, today's a good day. It's always a good day to make a commitment to Jesus. God, in his mercy and his kindness, in his infinite love, he said, I will send my son. Who will have my son? Who will say yes to Jesus? If you've not made that commitment, or maybe, you, you know, a while ago or years ago, you said, well, you know, one of these days I'll make a firm commitment. But for now, I'll just kind of, I'll stay on the sidelines. I want to say that today is the day of salvation. And when Jesus was whipped and beaten and had a crown of thorns put on his head, he suffered and he died for you and for me. If you're in this building today and you've never made a commitment to Jesus, I want to say this is a good response to the gift that God has given us out of his goodness and his kindness. If you're here today, and you've never made a commitment, I would love to pray with you. We have uh, some of our ministry team here that uh, would love to pray with you as well. I want to invite you to take this opportunity. And James says that after life has passed and we get to heaven, God has a crown for us. But it starts with the cross. No crown without the cross. We need to come to the cross and say, thank you, Jesus, for what you did. I say to you today, yes, I want a relationship with you. I admit I've not always done things right. I've sinned against you. But today, I want to repent, ask your forgiveness, and ask you to come in so I can have relationship with you. If that's you in this building today, I'm going to invite you to just come up right here to my uh, left. And we would love to pray with you and also 
give you a little bit more guidance for how you can have a fulfilled relationship with Jesus Christ. If you're watching online and you want to make a commitment to Jesus today, just go to this website. Someone will post it on, on, on the chat. It's called it's ctftoronto.com slash get prayer now. We have a great team online that are waiting for you. They will pray with you. They will answer your questions. And they will let you know what it's like to have a relationship with Jesus. What a beautiful, fulfilling relationship this is. Please come. We're waiting for you. Jesus is waiting for you. And you will learn what it is to receive good gifts from your Father in heaven. And even in times when you face adversity, you will know, as James said in verse 2 of chapter 1, consider it all joy because there's an underlying joy that fills our hearts because we know that God has chosen to be good to us. And everything that He thinks towards us is for good. So bless you as you make this decision. We welcome you into the family of God. We say you are welcome. And we say that you are entering the most beautiful and fulfilling time of your life in this relationship with Jesus Christ. Bless you, those of you in the room that are making that commitment right now. And those of you online, don't hesitate and don't wait. Go to ctf.com front slash get prayer now. I bless you that all the goodness of God will follow you all the days of your life. And you will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Bless you all. We hope you encounter God and were inspired by this message today. To watch video of this message and other messages from Catch the Fire in Toronto, visit catchthefire.tv. Catch the Fire has churches, schools, events, missions and media all around the world. To find out more, visit catchthefire.com.